You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your favorite podcast app for Locked On to get podcasts on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports. I'm Doug Branson. We are coming to you live from the Gittimer.com studios in the heart of the Queen City, BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. And we are happy to be back in your ears week daily, Monday through Friday, delivering great Hornets content for you throughout the season. I'm joined by my co-host over the phone, David Walker. David, what's going on? On the phone, just me and you this morning, Doug. Just me and you. Listen, that's the that's the Ridge game. It's the Ridge team. Uh, we're just going to talk Twin Peaks right. for the next uh, for the next half hour. <laughs> Try to break Sorry, this down. Sorry, everybody. Uh, no, I just got done listening well, to think, like a. I think I think we'll need longer than a half hour. I know. I just got done listening to like a three-hour, just finished up a three-hour sort of breakdown recap from the Twin Peaks podcast on Entertainment Weekly, and I still yes. I'm kind of no farther, you know, into my understanding of what happened with that show than I than I ever have been. Oh, God, no. You can take it any way you want to, but that's the beauty of it. That's why we like it. That's why we're going to talk about it all day today, folks. Yeah, also, we are actually broadcasting this live on YouTube for our Patreon subscribers. I'm looking at the live chat right now, so if you are with us live, make sure to chat with us. We're going to be talking about the new uniform reveal that happened yesterday. Very excited about the classic uniforms that came out. Plus, we're going to be talking about Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. He is the subject of our latest player preview. We are previewing Hornets players all through September, getting you ready for training camp and, of course, the start of preseason. And then ultimately, finally, it, it's here, the 2017-18 Charlotte Hornets season that everyone is so excited about. So if you haven't joined up with us on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash LOH. It's going to give you access to live shows. We're, we're, we're going to do some live post-game shows this season. So you definitely want to check that out, patreon.com forward slash LOH. All right, David. So the Hornets had already played two of their uniform cards before yesterday. They they hyped it up a lot, that first reveal. A lot of people felt like the first reveal did not live up to that hype necessarily. Wednesday's, yesterday's reveal was a lot more low-key, and they dropped the trump card, unveiling a classic teal uniform set that throws back to the jerseys the Hornets wore from 1989 to 1997. This confirmed what was leaked on Twitter way back in the way back, what was highly speculated by most of the people who pay attention to this kind of thing. David, it's here. The question is, did it stick the dismount for you and and for fans at large? You still there, David? The mute button, Doug. If anyone's ever been on a conference call, you guys know what I'm talking about. The mute button (laughs) gets you every time. It gets you every Uh, time. I I think you, hey, hey, Dave, I I think you're muted. Dave, Dave, I think you're muted. No one heard that, Dave. (laughs) Some great points I just dropped. Um, Yeah, so what I was saying was I'm disappointed in myself, most of all, because when we were predicting what they would drop yesterday, I didn't look at any of the clues. And as soon as we stopped recording, I saw the teaser video that they put out 
that when something like, uh, you know, had the, had the term first look in there, right? New uniforms, mm. first look. And it was like a grainy vhs like Stranger Things type. It's kind of uh, like, it was kind of like Twin Peaks, I guess, where you're sort of just delving yeah. into it going, okay, what does, what does the guy with the white mask and the long nose mean? Oh, I got it. It means classic <laughs> uniform reveal. Exactly. So that made a lot of sense. And then when they did drive it, they had, uh, you know, a few, few hiccups on the mobile app. Um, but, but they got the picture, but you, you made a point, like, you, you know, it was, it was good and everybody loved it because nobody's really talking about, uh, the, the link that, that wasn't working, which they found, you know, they eventually got working, but they had the main picture up. That was the main thing everyone wanted to see. That's what everybody got out on Twitter. That's a picture that was going around instantly as soon as it hit 12 o'clock. Well, and, everyone, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you, know, you know, everybody just reads the headlines. I mean, that just right. that proved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the background stuff was more, you know, for nerds like me that read into, you know, the, the cut of the neck and, uh, you know, where the Jumpman placement is. But I think it was exactly what we thought we would see. That leak uh, lines up with uh, what was actually the reveal. And, man, they, they look good, Doug. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see them. I wasn't expecting it. So it was a nice little surprise. And, again, if you looked at, uh, I think the Bucks just released a classic jersey as well. So it lines up that way. We sh- I really should have seen that coming. I'm sorry, folks, but uh, but I think it lived up to the to the hype at least when they finally released it because the the reaction was positive. The reaction was very positive from fans. Let's kind of dig into this. So it's not a an exact replica of those 1989 to 1997 jerseys because apparently they could not do that due to NBA trademarks. But they they got it pretty close, crazy? David. I mean, to the naked eye. Uh, this looks a lot like those jerseys. You've got the original uh, Hornets logo on the waistband, one of my favorite logos. I'm actually kind of dirty mm-hmm. little secret, not a huge fan of the sort of new take on on Hugo, mm. the Hugo logo. I like a lot of the new logo okay. sets, but that's one that I'm I'm just not as keen on. Which one? Which one? The active the action, like the buzzing? Or the, the right, stinger the actual, one, or which one? No, the actual Hugo. Or the front-facing one, the yes. front one. Yes, and, and sort of it was sort okay. of a new take on it. He's smiling. I wasn't yeah. a big fan of him smiling. Oh. That's a, the kid-friendly version. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I sort of like yeah, the, yeah. sort of the original one a lot more, so it's good to see that one back on the shorts. And uh, you got Charlotte on the front. You've got my favorite thing, which is the let's see what they they call this thing. I'm looking at the uniform breakdown right now on HornetsClassic.com. They call this. I just want to get the technical name right. They call this the crossover V-neck and striping. It's it's what's on the neck and how it sort of crosses over. I just like that's like a small detail that I always loved about the original uniforms, and I love about these as well. In the front. Yeah, in the front of the V neck portion, right? Yeah, that right. looks good. And then the the white stripe on the shorts. And I I saw this tweet from Pete Guelli. I don't know if you saw this, but it's sort of a a three D rendering of or it looks. I mean, it, nothing on the internet is real, but this kind of looks like it's been digitally mocked up. Uh, and there's a set where I I hope that there are these teal leggings that go with it. Um, oh yes. So if that's a thing, like that's hot. Like I want to see that. I hope Kemba wears <laughs> that. I hope as many players. There's a white version too, but I hope as many players as possible choose the teal on teal. I love teal on teal. The leggings are. Everyone wears leggings now, so I can you can you can lock that in. I mean that that's definitely going to happen. Yeah, it's a good look. Um, 
So going back to what you were saying, that they couldn't do the exact replica, which is something we had hinted at. And we even asked uh, Paul Lucas from UniWatch about that when we had him on this summer, just about the trademark and the NBA owning that. That's such an odd thing. Um, so that's your that's that's the answer, I guess. It's and like, you're, wait, wait, you're the NBA, and this team is an NBA right. team. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it that they don't want to, they sort of don't want to, maybe it's just a way to prevent teams from going full nostalgia and, you know, picking up an exact uniform. I don't know, but but I mean, yeah. when you look at this one, it's so it's so it's close. So it's, 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 it might as close. well be. And it, yeah, and and I say it's close enough, which doesn't really do it justice because it's 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 perfectly fine. Like it's it's really just not even an updated version, but I mean, it's it's the jersey. When you look at that, unless you're doing a what's different in this picture comparison between you know what Kelly Trapuka wore and what uh, Nick Batum will wear, it's 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 perfectly fine to, to call that a a uh, you know, retro or a, you know, exact replica. It's, it's, it's basically the same thing. So let's answer a couple of questions that I know fans have. First of all, when will they wear these jerseys on the court? The Hornets have announced three days that the team will actually wear these throwbacks. November 15th against the Cavaliers. That's a national TV game. December 23rd yeah. against the Bucks, And as you said, the Bucks have already released the version of their classic jerseys. And then January 13th against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Hornets Chief Marketing Officer Pete Gwelly told the Charlotte Observer that they were limiting the use of the jerseys to three games so as not to overexpose them, but they would be used more in 2018-19, which will be the 30th anniversary of the iconic design so it's taken them a while you know they wanted to establish the brand the 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 brand that is now so it took them a while to to embrace this this throwback at all david and now they're they're limiting it a little bit but i've already seen some comments to us on twitter like three games come on like let's 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 make with the throwbacks this is what the people want what do you think (laughs) <laughs> what the people, the people are talking. The people. So I was just about to, I was about to ask you that. I think three is a bit of a small number to Seems wear long. these, but they're going to wear. I mean, they're going to wear these moving forward, like you said. I, I am, I'm okay with them not wearing them all the time though. Like this being their main set, right? Like having a white version and the teal version, and just going full retro all the time. I mean, I kind of like the new ones. I think they're fine. Um, I think having this in their back pocket is a cool thing, but I, I would, I don't, I'm, I'm okay with them not wearing them all the time. I know that's not exactly what you were, were getting at, but that, that's another question I've seen pop up too. Hey, just wear these all the time. They look awesome. I think you want to wear them more than three times, which they will in the future, but I think you want to keep some semblance of like the new era of the Hornets too. So yeah, uh, no, what's I, your thoughts on well, that? I, listen, I think yeah. there is always this inclination, David, to hang on to nostalgia and you feel like, man, if I can just, if I can just get back to those good old days, that sentiment, but that sentiment is never real. Like progression, establishing new identity, um, you know, forging new memories. That's what it's all about. It may mean something to you, but what, but what does that mean to, to David, to your kids? It's not going to mean much to your, the, the new identity is what your kids are going to hang on to. So, you know, progress is okay, folks. It's okay to establish some new identities, to okay. establish some new <laughs> memories. I'm going down the rabbit hole. Don't worry. You, I, I've got another, t- I've got another 15 minutes of this. Just give me time. <laughs> Hey, last thing yeah. on these unis that I I just like to point out a per, a personal 
thing. I am not a fan of what Nike is doing with the back of these jerseys. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. There's there's no reason to do it. I'm sure they have an you know aerodynamic or some sort of comfort reason. But the way they've done the shoulders on these with the piping like crossing off and, and being truncated, and if you look at this, you'll you'll know what I mean. But this is something that's on all the jerseys, and it doesn't affect the ones the Hornets wear normally because they don't have any piping along the arms. But on these, and you'll see it on, on uniforms like from the Bulls and anyone else that has piping on that, the back of it is is chopped off and it looks like another layer. I'm just, I'm not a fan of that look. Piping. I hope that's maybe something Nike does away with. Piping. You know what I'm talking about? This sounds like J.R. Smith uh, advised Nike on these jerseys. Oh, so J.R. Smith, what do you, what do you think? Uh, said, get more piping. Program. Give him the pipe. You know what I'm talking about, though? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, the back? Uh, well, let me. Okay, I'll pull up the picture. Don't I got it? Look at the back. Let's, let's, look at the back. All right, and I'm gonna tweet this out for for the people. Okay, this is important stuff. Uh, the back, the piping. Okay, I'm looking at the back now. Tell me what I'm looking at here. You see where the the neck, the nape of the neck, nape of the neck, and the piping along the shoulders. Oh right? yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. It looks up. weird. It look it looks like a cape almost. It's, it's something that Nike has brought in and uh, done on all these uniforms, and I just I think it's uh, uh, okay. Just a couple uh, of more uh, notes on these before. on these jerseys, and then I promise we're moving on to Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So our good friend Doctor E of BaselineBuzz.com mentioned on Twitter that he remembered more pinstripes that, that that didn't look like that these jerseys had a ton of pinstripes on them that they were wider, um, and I think mm. a few others mentioned this as well. I, I think. So there were champion versions, David, of these jerseys that were out in kind of the the late 90s to 2000s that had a bunch of pinstripes on them. But those were never, as far as I know, game-worn. Like all the game-worn pinstripe jerseys had uh, th- three or four pinstripes on the front and then same on the back. They were always sort of these bigger, wider mm-hmm. ones. And then the sort of swingman version of yesteryear had the mini pinstripes. Is that how you remember it? Um, yes, I think so. Cause I have These a few, I have a few, I, think, I have a few champion jerseys that have a lot of pinstripes on them, but I just don't remember that ever being game worn. Anyhow. So the first ones like this, they did were thicker. And then as they moved on, I think the pinstripes did change a little bit. It, again, it's not an exact, exact replica, but it's, uh, it's close. And there's a, there's some of those minor differences you'll probably see, but I think overall these things look pretty good. So if you want to check these out, first of all, they're going on sale in November, so they'll be available for retail Ooh. purchase then. But if you want to check these out on the court, Hornets single game tickets go on sale beginning on Monday. So if you're interested, head over to Hornets.com for more information. I want to take a quick second before we get to MKG to tell you about something we've started here on Locked On Hornets. It's a way for you to support us, this independent, local, free sports journalism, and it's only a buck a month. It's called Patreon, patreon.com forward slash L-O-H. There's a link in the description of this episode. You'll get exclusive interviews and access to content before anyone else. Check it out, patreon.com slash L-O-H, and help keep our hive alive. And thanks for your support. Time now for another player preview. Up next, we examine the season ahead for starting small forward Michael Kidd Gilchrist. MKG is entering his sixth year in the league, only 24 years of age. 
career averages of 9.1 points per game and 6.4 rebounds on 47% shooting. He's owed $13 million this season and next and has a player option in 2019. He set a career high in games played last season at 81, but his outside jump shot that was featured briefly but prominently in seven games two seasons ago was nowhere to be found last season after he seemed to struggle with his confidence early on. David, where would you like to begin with the season that will be for Michael Kidd Gilchrist? Man, I think you have to start with defense. When you talk about Michael Kidd Gilchrist, it's obviously the biggest strength to his game. It's what defines his game. It's what allowed has allowed him to not only stay in the starting lineup for the Hornets and Steve Clifford, but um, you know, be a, a big contributing factor and to help them, especially a couple of years ago, um, create an identity uh, as a defensive first team. And every year he's been in the league, the Hornets are a better defensive team with him on the floor. That's never changed. I, I don't see that changing a whole lot moving forward. Although it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of effect Dwight Howard um, does have on, on MKG and everyone else. But MKG is a defensive guy, and every year we do talk about the shot, and you have the feeling that maybe he's going to turn the corner, and he has another step back, not not a step back shot, but another, another takes another step back in progression like last year. And, and at this point, Doug, I just don't know that it's ever going to get to a place where he can be considered even a a a, a, a rough offensive player. Like, Look at all the rest of the guys in the NBA that are considered defensive guys, and they're all better on offense than MKG. And then some of them are, are are really good offensive players. Some of them are true two way players. I just MKG, his offensive game, and the leaps that he's going to have to take to get to even that level, like a competent offensive player. And, and I don't mean that in like a derogatory way or anything, but I just don't know if he's ever going to do it. Yeah, and as we mentioned a few shows ago, though, Steve Clifford very committed to Michael Kidd Gilchrist in the starting lineup for a variety of reasons. He considers him, along with Marvin Williams, to be sort of the leaders of defense. And he likes him as a character guy. He loves him as an athlete. He he loves him as just a pure basketball player. Um, you know, apart from you know picking shooting or, or certain talents, he just feels like that Michael Kidd Gilchrist is is just a, a really really good basketball player and a really smart basketball player and an asset to the team on the starting lineup. And there are a lot of different opinions about whether or not the Hornets should start Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And I guess David, it comes down to what you define as a starter. And I think for this season, if if you define starter as guy who starts the beginning of the game, then yes, Michael Kidd Gilchrist will be the starter uh, at the beginning of this season and most likely by the end of this season. But if you define starter as guy who's depended upon for 30 plus minutes a game, then I'm not sure that's Michael Kidd Gilchrist even early in the season, but especially not, I think, late in the season. Uh, they, I just don't see Michael Kidd Gilchrist accumulating 30 plus minutes per game. I think they have some offensive weapons that they'll he's be able to, to yeah. sort of balance with him. Yeah, he's never done it. I mean, uh, Max is out at about, I mean, it's right there. It's 29 minutes a game, you know. So last year he played right at 29 minutes a game and played 81 games. I mean, that's a victory in and of itself. And when he played 29 um, minutes per know, game on a team that struggled on defense, you know. I mean, they they needed him out yeah. there to, despite him his defensive well, numbers not being where they needed to be. Like with that, think about the one game that he missed last season. Do you remember the one game that he missed? 
God, of course. No, I don't. It was November 11th. <laughs> it's okay, because it was, it, well, it was a game to remember, but not for a great reason. It was November 11th against the Toronto Raptors, early game against the Raptors. And in that game, DeMar DeRozan had 40-plus points. That was the game in the fourth quarter right, where he right, just right, right. he just imposed his will on the Charlotte Hornets. And that's the kind of matchup that you you wanted MKG for. And when we came away from that game, we said, man, you know, like if, if you don't understand Michael Kidd Gilchrist's value, then you understand it now. You understand what, what that team yeah. needed in Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And it will be interesting to see with the addition of Dwight Howard how that changes, how that the level of need changes. Right. And here's the tricky thing when you're talking about MKG and his ability to improve the team overall, right? Not just from a defensive standpoint, because a lot of these seasons, the team's actually better on offense with him on the floor. Now, I think it's about, it's about split when you look at his uh, career seasons. And one of those years was uh, the year he only played seven games and they were better with him on the court. But that's the season I'm kind of interested in because, you know, that's probably the best season Hornets have had since they've been back in Charlotte and it's certainly the best season they've had since MKG has been on the team and he only played seven games, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, true. You know how important he is. It was such a different team. That was, that was such an anomaly, to, especially to the way this team has been built. I mean, it was an offensive focus team. They shot so many threes. They had Jeremy Lin, but that was just such a weird season to see that. And, but it does start you thinking, well, you know, how important is he if they were able to have this much success with, without him playing? Yeah, and if I think if you're looking at just Michael Kidd Gilchrist in a vacuum and you say, like, what what would the Hornets want MKG to get back to? I think you have to look at 2014-2015 uh, when the Hornets were pitching him for all defense, all, you know, first-team all defense, and I think they were doing that because yeah. he held opponents to .832 points per possession, good for 66th percentile, a very good rating from Synergy Stats. Uh, the Hornets were a top defense, top ten defense that year. They were ninth in defense. That was also the last year they had a legitimate shot blocker start twenty plus games in Bismack Biombo. And I'm not sure, David, that that's a coincidence. And I'm wondering when you have a physical, a large physical presence inside with Dwight Howard, how will that affect Michael Kidd Gilchrist and his ability to play defense? Also, when you have Dwight Howard and his ability to offensive rebound, how much is that going to help the Hornets in transition defense if they don't have to rely on MKG so heavily to acquire offensive rebounds? Because even when they had Bismack Biombo and Al Jefferson at the at the center slots, that they still relied on MKG that year to to get a lot of offensive rebounds. So. You know, I just wonder, and maybe, look, maybe they say, no, we're just going to send Dwight Howard and MKG at the offensive boards and just destroy teams with second-chance points. Doesn't seem like that's a very Steve Cliffordian thing to do since he's so, you know, so reliant on transition defense and not making mistakes and not allowing easy points. So I just wonder how that's going to affect MKG's defensive numbers because he was 16th percentile last season. So he went from 66 and 14-15 to 16th and 16-17. And you just wonder where that number is going to hit this season. Uh-oh. I've got to interrupt or got an intruder here. Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, he's, uh, I wonder what he thinks about MKG. I think that's the question. He thinks about MKG. Yep, yep, that's right, that's right. Um... So the interesting thing about uh, 
Lent's, uh, he's upset about this. No, he's that's okay. You, I, I'll take over. Uh, no worries. It feels a lot like the fans do. Yeah, you go ahead. <laughs> Just handle your business. I'll take care of this. <laughs> no, no, no. No. Oh, my God. I do have one thing. I hope you know I'm leaving all of this in. <laughs> oh, absolutely. This is it. This is the pod life. Um, uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were saying leaking out. I think it's interesting because... Um, if you can allow MKG to kind of not bang as much in there, be out in a more f- free flowing and stop some of that transition, I think it is better for him. Uh, I mean, think about all the injuries he's had, right? And all the things they've asked him to do. So that, that is something that I think Dwight Howard can really help MKG's game. And it seems like, I don't know. I mean, it seems like Clifford knows that. I mean, he's going to try and use what he has. Now he has Dwight Howard. He never really had a Dwight Howard back there before for MKG, right? So he asked No, MKG I mean, the clo- that's what I'm saying. The closest thing was Bismack Biombo. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, as far as, like, contested threes, uh, that's one of the areas MKG is tops in the NBA and uh, contested threes per game at 4.5, number two in the league, right behind Andrew Wiggins. So he's out there on the perimeter. And that's what I mentioned the other day in our superlative podcast. I think he could have a better season this year, Doug, and it wouldn't necessarily be reflected even in the advanced stats because, I mean, MKG has never really been a stat guy and you have to dig to get some things to point to. I mean, you know, the on-off numbers are something people have always pointed to or arguing for MKG. But, like, I think he does so much. We know that. We know he does so much more that just doesn't show up, whether it's, you know, a deflection or a tip that leads to a rebound or a tip that leads to a fast break that's not recorded that if he can stay healthy and maybe stay out of some of the, um, the the physical contact, you know, he can, he can be a more effective player. I just don't think it's going to be on offense, um, you know, really anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, he has to be elite defensively to justify his, his value on the court. And I think by that mm-hmm. measure last season was a disappointment. Now, Michael Kidd Gilchrist did admit though, during his exit interview that he came into the season with a goal of staying healthy and he admitted that he was cautious with that shoulder that he has injured twice now, torn that labrum uh, twice, kept him out of the first half of uh, two seasons ago, and then he played the seven games and then tore it again and was out the rest of the season. So, uh, David, being cautious, um, being healthy, I mean, these were all kind of things that we always talked about, like can Michael Kidd Gilchrist really change the way he plays, be cautious, stay healthy, and remain a you know a force on defense? Uh, do you think that him doing that last season was a mistake? No, because he has to get through a full season. I mean, he, he has to be able to play that. He has to be able to play some semblance of his style. And I still think he was recovering a bit, either mentally or physically, to get back to 100% in both of those areas last year. But he mm-hmm. had to be able to play, Doug. I mean, that's that was the main thing. He's got to be able to do that. He can't learn to play and not get hurt if he's not playing. So, to me, like, he had to do whatever he can to stay healthy. And kudos to him, you know, for almost playing the whole season. Well, no, that's a I mean, good, that's a good point. I mean, game. he also had this to say during that exit interview, and I think it sort of goes to what you were saying. I felt like a rookie. A little bit this season, so see about what happened next season saying he felt like a rookie 
And, and yeah. you could interpret that a lot of different ways. Certainly his statistics, both offensively and defensively, were more reflective of his rookie season than any other season. But I don't think that's what he was saying. I think it was more to what you were saying, David, that it was, a lear- it was, a, it was like he was learning the NBA all over again and, and learning mm-hmm. a new play style. Because look, he's, I don't think he's ever played cautiously. I don't think he's ever had it in his no. mind okay, what do I need to do to stay healthy? I think, and certainly he hopes, that there is some kind of middle ground where you can be cautious, you can um, keep, a, keep a mind to stay healthy, understand that it's a chaotic game and anything can happen, but there are certain things that you can do to stay healthy, and at the same yeah. time, find a way to you know be a, a defensive stopper uh, in the way that he was in 2014-2015. And, and I wonder, again, if the key to unlocking that is not even anything that, that Michael Kidd-Gilchrist necessarily changes or does other than having Dwight Howard on the floor being that physical presence inside. I think it will be very, very interesting to watch. Before we finish this up, David, you want to do uh, best case, worst case for MKG? Yeah, uh, one other thing, Doug, I just want to look back because we've talked about him starting so much, right? And that's been a question. And, and Clifford has come out and said he started. And I sort of looked at the roster, and this is kind of a weird way to do it, but I said if all these players were equal playing the exact same position and they were still on this team, a Steve, a Steve Clifford team on this Hornets team, what player would you realistically start over MKG, right? And I just don't see – I took. I mean, I don't see anyone currently on the bench being able to do that. Really, the only two guys I think you would start, you know, if they were, I know it's weird, they're the exact same player, right? And they had their same capabilities now. I think it's just Kemba and probably Nick. Now, maybe Dwight Howard, but those guys are all starters. And my point is, I just don't see really a whole lot of other realistic options that's going to make this team a lot better or even better fit this team in a, in a better basketball way than does MKG. Do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Because it's kind of a weird way to compare these guys. Right. T- sort of taking um, taking role completely out of it. Taking you're, you're just saying like just based on a talent level, just based on a uh, basketball IQ level, um, maybe factoring eth- in athleticism somewhat, just sort of the building blocks of a basketball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, would and you start? Yeah. Yeah. Would you start MKG over Jeremy Lamb? Yes. Yeah. Would you start MKG yeah. over uh, well, I mean, again, I think Cody Zeller. I think Cody Zeller. Well, look, you, honestly, you have to look at this these top 100 lists that are coming out, and MKG is nowhere to be found. I mean, Marvin Williams, 88 in the, in the SI. So, I mean, obviously, he's yeah. in the lower second third of the league's rotation players. Yeah. And it, and it's a very team specific. I mean, this is a very Charlotte Hornets specific comparison, right? I think Cody is a close one because he does so many things with his screening and his offensive ability. So, I mean, that's, that's maybe another one right there, but I don't think it's anyone on the bench. I think the, the, the questions are all in the starting lineup for for MKG, but, like, I think you're still starting them over Frank. Well, well and uh, you're basically, you're basically saying, and, and maybe I'm misinterpreting you, but I, I think I hear you saying that Michael Kidd Gilchrist is sort of the – uh, the the replacement player on this team, the sort of the, the 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 bridge between the bench and the starting unit in terms of the things that Steve Clifford values and looks for from from yeah. players. And I think what that says to me, and I would agree with you on this, that 
uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist may be in a tenuous situation this season that if the Hornets, I've said this before, I mean, if the Hornets are not a top 10 defense, if if they don't get back to that level that they did in 2014-15 uh, when they were a top 10 defense and they were a horrible offense and that's why they didn't make the playoffs and then the next year you saw the offense finally come along and they did make the playoffs but if this team is not top 10 in defense and maybe not even top five I think they may need to be an elite top five defense in order to get back to the playoffs if they're not that then I think it becomes tougher and tougher to justify having Michael Kidd Gilchrist on the floor offensively yeah, it's already getting to that point with where, <clears throat> where the NBA is right now. Honestly, I think for them to replace him in the starting lineup, it would obviously have to be a guy that was dynamic on offense. I think just because, look, it wouldn't take much to be better than MKG on offense right now, but he brings so much on the defensive end and they like him. But I, I still get the feeling that it's, you know, his grip on that starting lineup, like without question, not necessarily slipping, but I mean, it's just tough to keep him out there. I mean, it's tough to be out there with a guy that cannot provide you anything on, on defense. And maybe the best case for him in his career is being like the six, you know, six man, a guy off the bench. I mean, look at like uh, Iguodala, right? He was a much more accomplished offensive player than MKG and plays on a much different team, obviously now, but has switched into that six man role and still brings a lot of uh, pride to his defense, obviously. And that's where he impacts the game. So, um, it's tough. It's just a tough spot, but he's going to be 24 in a, in a few weeks. I mean, he's still so young, Doug. I guess we forget that sometimes we've been in a league, what, five or six years now. Yeah, so I think you and I have pretty well documented what the worst-case scenario this season for MKG will be. I think best case, he has a second straight healthy year. He improves defensively with help behind him and Dwight Howard and gives the Hornets two to three games per month of 15 to 20 point offensive output. And he was doing that in 14, 15. You'd have these games where he'd score 17. You go, oh my gosh, MKG scored 17 points. You know, the the, the future is now. And then you'd rein back in those expectations. So if you can get two to three games of him stepping up and being an offensive force via cutting, via transition, via things that aren't, you know, shooting three point shots, and the team finishes top 10 defense, then, you know, and he's providing you those energy and hustle plays. Uh, essentially, he becomes the Tony Allen of a good playoff basketball team. Like when I envision this team as a second round team in the playoffs, I envision Michael Kidd Gilchrist as a Tony Allen. I envision Kimball Walker uh, stepping up his three-point percentage, maybe adding some assists in there. I envision Dwight Howard being more of a scoring threat than he's been over the past couple of years while maintaining his elite status as an offensive rebounder. And then you have Marvin Williams and Nick Batum both becoming more offensive uh, more efficient offensive players and Nick Batum uh, stepping up and in more of an authoritative role scoring and Marvin recreating what he did in the second half. Like to me, that's the formula. Yeah, That's the formula yeah, for a, a Hornets team that can win uh, a playoff series. Yeah. Best case for me, I think is MKG being top five, you know, in the league defense, talk, getting in talks with all defensive teams, uh, getting back to that level. And and worst case is this team's not better on defense. The meshing with Dwight Howard is a disaster. They, they don't know where to send him, and um, his offensive game, you know, obviously doesn't make any improvements. So, um, and that's not even taking the injuries into account. But I would love to see MKG get back to that level of defense around the league. 
I think he's just on the cusp of these 100 lists. I mean, I've seen a couple where he's, you know, listed as amongst the snubs. Mm. And given where the NBA is now and the requirement almost to be an offensive player, that's about where I'd, I'd expect him to be. So, um, yeah, uh, let's hope for another healthy season and one where he can really, you know, show his strengths. He's definitely, I think he's one of the more interesting players to watch for mm. for basketball mm-hmm. nerds out there like you and I. Like, obviously, it's going to yeah. be fun to watch Malik Monk. Obviously, it's going to be interesting to see uh, a Dwight Howard now that he's sort of an underrated player in a strange way um, because of all the yeah. narratives that surround him. You know, people are, I don't think people expect a ton from Dwight Howard this season. But I think MKG, just because of those comments where he said, I'm a, you know, I felt like a rookie. Like, that's such an interesting comment to me. And I think one that uh, that I look forward to exploring and seeing how he develops. All right. That's all the time we have for this edition of Locked On Hornets. Thanks so much for listening. And uh, make sure you check out the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, search Locked On on your favorite uh, podcasting app. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets and tell a friend. We're approaching this season. We need as many Hornets fans as possible listening to this show, getting smarter, uh, contributing to this show in terms of tweeting us and asking us questions because you guys really make this show possible and we want to hear your thoughts and we want to answer your questions so shoot shoot us your hornets questions to buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com we're back again tomorrow to wrap up this week we're previewing jeremy lamb we'll talk about some of the promotional items that you can get uh, if you go to certain hornets games this yeah. season and much more what's that dave i just said my son said uh goodbye he's signing off as well Okay, perfect. Yeah. And uh, for David and David's son, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm Charlotte.